Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Encouraging Others Through Christ podcast. Today is a follow-up from episode number 150. Just a few episodes back, I had Brian on to the show, and he was very curious about where I am today in my relationship with God, Jesus, the Bible, all this other stuff, and we had some incredible dialogue. I would encourage you, this is very rare would I ever do this, but if you haven't listened to EOTC episode 150, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that before this conversation. Now, with that being said, whether you've done it or not, Brian, I'm delighted to bring you back on the podcast. I love the feedback that I've been receiving. They were, people have been so impressed by how two people who used to agree on so many things, (laughs) and now there has been a divergent path, and we both see things completely differently, (laughs) and yet... The fact that we were so still in relationship before, through, and after, and and they were just like, I've never seen that, or it's it's rare to see that. So it's why I brought you back on. You gave me so much grace in our Mm. conversation last time, and you said, hey, Cliff, if you are ever interested in having anybody reach out to me, I'd love to chat with them. And you said this, you said, I have a master's degree from a Bible college. (laughs) You said, I've been a Bible-believing Christian your entire life. Uh, You said that you love defending the quote-unquote word of God. You have a belief in the inerrancy of scripture. And you've invested, you you said you've investigated it and you are very much ready to give a defense for traditional Christianity with gentleness and respect when requested. So I figured, you know, why not bring you back on? Wow. And here's what I'd love to do this for the reason why I'd like to do this. I don't think there's a chance that you and I are going to end this conversation and I'm going to go back. And I don't think I'm going to uh, persuade you to think things the way. Here's why I'm having you on. Because I have recognized in my community, there are a lot of people who follow me and who have been following me all these years. And they never could understand it. They have no experience with a Protestant evangelical fundamentalist Christian perspective. Yeah. So they're like, Cliff, I don't understand what the big deal is about you leaving this world. How on earth is this any big deal? Why don't you just get up, walk out and just do your thing? And I'm like, well, it's a bigger deal than you might think in certain communities. Yeah, yeah it sure is. Yeah. So I am super excited about this conversation. Are you ready for me to me throw too. some probing questions at you? Listen, I'm, I'm an open book and I, I think there's so much grace and, and I really think that both of us are coming from a place of love. Like I, I love you. I love you as a brother. I love you as a friend. And obviously I think when you, when you truly love somebody, you want the, you want the best for them. Uh, and so I have a perspective of what I believe the best is. Um, but I also think that love often is it's patient and it's kind. And, and so that's how I, I want to continue to approach our relationship is patience and, and kindness. And, you know, the funny thing is it's not my natural bent, you know, as a, as a 
Bible believing Christian, I, I believe in sinful nature and that sort of thing. And so like in my flesh, I'm not patient and kind. And so it's only through God's grace that even just this conversation is happening. So I'm just so thankful and grateful to be here with you today. And I'm, I'm here for it. Awesome. I love it. So the first question I have here, and I'm going to read the entire thing out. So let me finish the entire question and then you can answer it however you want. So before you, so the first part of it is, what does it mean to believe in the inerrancy of scripture? What led you to the conclusion that the Bible is the inerrant word of God? And was it how you were raised? Was it a specific experience that you came to this conclusion or is it something else? Yeah. That is a great question. And I'm, I'm sure that I, first of all, I do not have all the answers. So I'm, I'm not, there are some really fantastic scholars who have explained um, the, how we got the Bible, how the Bible came, came along. Um, Josh McDowell is kind of a classic guy. He has, he has a book called evidence that demands a verdict. My personal mentor is John Bevere and John Bevere has a really great talk where he kind of walks through um, the biblical prophecy. So basically in the Bible, as, as you know, Cliff, but maybe for the, for somebody who's a little bit newer to this, that's listening, there's two sections of the Bible, right? There's the old Testament, which is under the law, um, the covenant of, of the law. And, and then there's the New Testament, which is when Jesus came and he, he didn't abolish the law, he fulfilled the law. And I think a lot of people who look at the Bible, I hear this cultural critique all the time. People will quote, things out of context. And I just don't think that's fair because if you tried to quote Cliff Ravenscraft out of context or Harry Potter out of context, or, you know, some of my favorite singers out of context, they would sound crazy. So, so I think you at least have to give it, if, if you're going to critique the Bible, you have to at least understand how it's structured. So that's where I, I brought up the, the master's degree thing. Like I, I actually went to a Bible college. Like I, I understand the, the, the format the structure of the Bible and what convinces me. And again, it's a personal conviction. I I believe that the Bible, the way it is, is, um, is, is God's best message to us on how, on how to live. And there's both poetry and there's instructions and there's also stories. And so it's a, it's a very robust tome of, of, um, of content which I think as content creators, we love all kinds of different content. Um, and the interesting thing about the Bible that I would say really kind of moved me over the line of, I'm, I'm going to believe this. Like, I'm actually going to trust this thing. I'm going to hold this up as, as truth, if you will. I know that's a pretty divisive word. Um, to hold this up as truth is, is these just two numbers, okay? 40 plus authors. And the reason I say 40 plus is because they're not exactly sure who wrote just a couple of the books. It could have been this person. It could have been this person. And I think it's in humility that somebody didn't put their name on it. So, but we kind of think who we know, we know who it is. Um, it's acts and, um, Hebrews. I think people don't know who wrote acts and yeah. And um, Hebrews, right. And he in Hebrews and they think whatever I, I try not to get into to the minutia of it. Cause the thing is, is, if I knew, would it change? Like, would it actually matter if I knew every single little thing or what's the big, what's the big picture? So I try to, I try to stay at the big picture. So the two numbers that kind of affect me and impact me based on the evidence is that there's 40 ish authors over this time span of about 1500 years. So I was, I was thinking about 
is, is it possible to have a consistent, oh, and there's a consistent message throughout. Like, like there's a really basic storyline that has, that is consistent. Now people might argue, oh, there's, there's flaws or there's contradictions or what have you. Um, and we could get into that. That's not really my, my, you know, hill I want to die on. It's more like the idea of, um, how is the world created? What's the, how did we get to where we are? Like how, when Brian wakes up in the morning and has these thoughts and goes throughout his day and, and lives his life, like what best describes the story of how I got here. And I think that the Bible is a full 360 explanation. It's a really good testimony of the account of how I got here. And I, I view it as reliable because I believe it's the most believable. I think other, other testimonies I've heard, other versions of how we got here, um, re- first of all, require a lot more faith in the Bible. <laughs> but second of all, because th- there's, there's so much history behind the Bible and there's, it's, you know, Dead Sea Scrolls alone. If you look at Dead Sea Scrolls, you're like, wow, like it just backs up so much of what's been in the Bible. Um, but, but I think the big thing is you're going to have faith either way. Like either way, you either believe in your own thing, you believe in what, what, what the Bible says, you believe in something else. But at the end of the day, it's your call. You know, you get freedom to choose how you're going to live. And so for me, I love the peace. I love the happiness. I love the certainty of just following the Bible and going, you know, uh, there, was a, there was a philosopher called Blaise Pascal and, and they call it Pascal's bargain or Pascal's wager. And the idea is if I follow the Bible and I live that life, would I have regrets or would that be a good life? Like, even if it's not true, even if it's not true and I died and nothing happened or I died and I came back as a, as another person or what have you, like it's actually a pretty good life. So I'm a little bit more pragmatic. I'm not, I really try not to be dogmatic. I try to be really pragmatic and I just go, it's a pretty good life. You know, I've been married 21 years, raising, raising kids that I'm trying to raise in a godly way, run a, run a multi-million dollar company and try to treat people well. And most of those are from, from the Bible. But the biggest thing for me about the Bible is that it explains the human condition. Like human condition is you basically want to sleep with everybody. You want to kill people you don't like. You want to take all the money in the world and build your own thing and fight everybody about it. And at least that's my heart. (laughs) Maybe other people are like holier than me, but like I'm a pretty selfish dude, like deep down. And the Bible has a very clear explanation of that. You know, it's called sin and we know sin came from the fall. And like, there's a whole story there and, it's an explanation of how we got here. But as I look at biblical characters, I see myself in them. And so I think, I think for those of you that have read like a novel and resonated with the character and say, I feel like that, that's kind of how I feel, but it's, it's, it's multi, it's so many characters in the Bible that I'm like, man, that, that I think there's so much that's there that makes me say, it sounds as true as, as true as true can be like truer than anything else that I've experienced. And so why not, why not do that? You know, at the end of the day, you have to, you have to make a decision. The reason I said inerrancy, which I know is your real question. The reason I said inerrancy is because, um, other scholars, not Brian Dixon, but other scholars like, like Josh McDowell and like John Bevere and others have really gone back and asked, how did we get to where we are in terms of the actual manuscript and the translation and uh, the council of Trent and can we believe it and can we not? And I think again, at the end of the day, you just have to decide, am I going to trust that or am I going to, or am I going to kind of make up my, my own version? Um, I think words change meaning over time. Um, 
context changes things a lot. You know, people have our, I, I could list the arguments people have about the Bible, Leviticus, slavery, you know, treating of women. Like there's a lot of arguments we would have, but the truth is we'd have those arguments with other things that are written at the same time, you know? So there's, there's the context sometimes. And, and, and so I look at it and I say, okay, 40 authors, 1500 years, consistent overall message. And to have a consistent overall message in the last 20 years is almost impossible. Think about the things that you said 20 years ago, or the things that Steve Jobs said 20 years ago, or the thing, or, or things that uh, the founder of IBM said a hundred years ago, like there'll only be a market for five computers. Oh, he was really wrong. And that was like a hundred years ago. So like f- maintaining a consistent story, a consistent theme, uh, over 1500 years and then add another 2000 years of really smart people believing it. Not all Christians are smart, but, <laughs> but, but Bible believing faithful Christians like a CS Lewis who mere Christianity, if you never read it, it's an amazing book. I mean, mere Christianity is basically like skeptic investigates agrees like came around. And so that's kind of where I land on. It's like, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants who all have made that decision. Uh, and, and I'm like, yeah, that's the one that makes the most sense to me. I love all of that explanation and I appreciate it. The question I, the one question I still have for those who, cause I grew up with th- yeah. this belief, you know, and, and for 47 years, I, 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 I don't know if you know, I, I went to Nazarene Bible college. I was ordained spent more than a decade as a pastor. I've, wow. I've studied the Bible inside and out countless times throughout my entire yeah. lifetime. I was one of those seven-year-old boys who uh, had a Bible and a hymnal, and I read that every night before I went oh to bed. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. so, well, first of all, that's none of that is in the Bible. That's Nazarene-ism. You know, that's being a Nazarene. So well, I'm no, not saying... By the way, the Nazarene, but I'm saying like you got some biblical training through the Nazarene church, but they have their own perspectives. Yeah. And I studied Calvinism and Wesleyan yeah. Arminian and, you know, lots of other things. Of all the people. Yeah. I, 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 I didn't just study one. I love one. that about you. Yeah. So, but um, I still, for those who don't understand, because they hear this word inerrancy. Yeah. Just, yeah. just one, how, how would you, Brian, yourself yeah. describe what does inerrancy mean? Yeah, I know. Well, technically it means uh, without error. The way that I interpret that is there's a, there's a Bible verse that says all scripture is God breathes and profitable for teaching and rebuke. Oh my goodness. If I believe the Bible, it's profitable for teaching and rebuke. Whoa. What does that mean? That means I can call out, Hey, I don't think that this thing is right. I don't think you should be living that way. I don't think I should be living that way. Right. Rebuking, but also teaching, how should I now live? And so inerrancy technically means error. Now, do I 100% believe that every single word in the Bible is perfect? No, because we, we have hands, (laughs) you know, I make mistakes every, I tripped down the stairs today, Cliff. I mean, if I can't even walk down the stairs, how can I trust that somebody like 600 years ago happened to write a word with that accent and not that accent? And so I don't necessarily hold to a view of it's absolutely perfect. And that's a really, because that's such a strongman argument. It's so easy to, to knock down. Just look at the translations. You know, basically we're going from, we're going from three different uh, um, languages, right? Uh, Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic to English, well, there's words in Aramaic that aren't words in English. Like that's really, just think about translating something from Spanish to, to English, you know, like it's so, so different. And so I think you have, you have historical context, you have going from one, um, uh, 
you know, one culture to another culture. Uh, our, our modern 2023 ears are, it's really hard for us to hear some of the instructions about marriage and about divorce and about women's leadership and things like that. It's really hard for us to hear. And like, how does that translation work from back then to now? Like we can get into all that. I would say what I really believe as, as inerrant is I want to trust what the Bible says. I want to trust. So what I mean is, I am putting my confidence and my faith in the in the words of Scripture because I believe that God can use the words of Scripture um, to to change me, to change my heart. You know, the three W's that I use in my life are God's word, God's will, and God's ways. So God's word is where I start. It's the foundation of my belief. I'm a Bible guy. So I follow what's in the Bible, God's word. God's will is a little trickier, but as a Bible believing Christian, I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we literally believe that a third part of the Godhead, Trinity, the Holy Spirit lives inside of me and gives me little promptings to tell me what to say and to tell me what to do and to tell me not to do things and chill out, Brian. Like that's the Holy Spirit telling me that, which that's God's will is how we fall. And then God's ways is, I believe that's really um, um, the counsel of other believers of your church, of your society. And like, how do you live that out? Um, but I, I just don't, don't get it perfect all the time, but, but the Bible really is the foundation of, of my worldview. So uh, my next question for you is, do you believe that someone can have a genuine relationship with God without believing in the Bible? Can you, do you believe that that's possible and why or why not? Oh, it's such a great question. Um, I, I think that pre-Christ, 100%. Before, before Christ came, um, God, I mean, God had revealed himself to, to many different cultures and, you know, there's, there's the, the Bible. See, my, most of my answer is going to start with what the Bible says, not because I'm a robot that recites the Bible, but because I truly believe the Bible. Um, it would be like, um, you know, like a biologist quoting famous biologists, or it would be like, it would be like a statistician quoting famous statisticians saying, I'm building my worldview based on uh, other scholars who have come before me. So, you, you can have, there's so much that you could have that's genuine. I would ask, um, I mean, there's people in, 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 um, relate in, in relationships with multiple partners that they say it's genuine love. Like, so what, what are we talking about? Just cause it's feels genuine. Well, didn't does Abraham it, does have it, multiple partners? Yeah. At the, at the time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <I know. laughs> just, just saying. Okay. Continue on. Yeah, but it's not, it's, um, see, so that's, that's the tricky thing, right? Because the, what I, what the re, what a part of the reason I believe that the Bible is the word of God is because God didn't filter the story. You know, he didn't like the, like my, I love my Mormon friends, but I believe my Mormon friends are wrong. Um, that the book of Mormon has changed all the time. It's basically on an annual basis that they make changes. Um, and, the Bible hasn't changed. Like it's the same. And, and so flaws and all. So like the flaws of David, I mean, David had 500 wives and concubines. That was not God's best for him. You know, Abraham had a big mess in his home. Um, oh my goodness. Um, his, his offspring, you would just think about original, like Adam and Eve, like Adam and Eve had a whole bunch of mess in their family. My family kind of looks a little like Adam and Eve's family, you know? So just, just cause people weren't perfect in the Bible um, doesn't mean like we don't have to follow so the way that they lived. I, right. I, I want to, I don't want to go too far away from the question. Cause I, yeah. I want to fit, cause yeah. I know we only have an hour together. So I want to make sure to get back to I love this. It. So Brian, can somebody have a genuine relationship with God without believing in the Bible? 
It's a really good question. Um, I, I think that the idea is really hard to, um, first of all, I'm not the arbiter of that, of that truth. Right. So who cares what Brian says about that? So my, I, I do. This is my, I, I do. Thank you. I do care. My, per, my personal perspective is if there's somebody who um, was born in a culture that didn't ever hear about the Bible, right? Like and I have, I have, we support and we have friends who are missionaries in Papua New Guinea or even just modern day Japan or modern day Italy. I mean, there are people living in Italy right now who have literally never heard the testimony of Jesus Christ and what Jesus has done for them. Um, but, but, but what the, the Bible talks about and, and what I believe to be true is that um, God has revealed himself. He's revealed himself through nature. He's revealed himself um, in so many ways. I think just the fact that that our bodies work the way they work. Like I would, ra- I would much rather believe that we were created in our mother's womb, called according to a purpose, and, and born for such a time as this. Like that's what I believe, as opposed to we evolved over time. You know, like this this concept of like we started with the ooze, where the ooze come from, and then all of a sudden we kept moving forward. Like that that is so nonsensical. I can't believe that's being taught in school. It literally makes no sense, and it has. It, has, it requires so much more faith than the idea of an intelligent designer making people. So, uh, so I believe that if there's someone who has never, ever heard of Jesus and has never, ever heard of the Bible, uh, and can they have a relationship with God? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. But I think, I think what God, what God does is he reveals himself to us. So there are stories, I'm on the board of a mission agency, and we've heard stories all over the world of people who are coming to faith in Christ, through Christ revealing himself through dreams to them. And then when the missionary goes to that, that little town in Turkey and says, his name's Jesus, they go, that's who we've been praying to. That's who we've been worshiping. So like, I think God is way bigger than, than my own finite brain can understand. Um, and so I, what I would recommend is if, if you believe that you're in a relationship with God, keep, keep searching for truth and keep, keep looking. And I believe that at the end of the day, you'll find it. I happen to find it in the person and the work of Christ. But I think the more that you search, the more that you'll, the more that you'll find, right? Jesus himself said, ask and the door will be open to you. Seek and ye shall find. So I think if you're a seeker and you have a relationship with God, who's Brian Dixon to say what happens to you? Like, I, I don't know, but I, I, I think I've got a version of it that, that I happen to believe. Awesome. The next question is builds on that. And that yeah. is this, do you believe that the Bible contains the entirety of God's revelation to humanity or could additional revelation come through other means? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. Um, so I, we, you know, the Bible actually cautions us about about future scriptures and and teachers that that take you off track. And I think the the way to see if somebody is a what we would consider like a false teacher is that they're changing the story. Like it's moving away. So I mentioned I mentioned my Mormon friends. Like I believe our our Mormon friends have moved away from from the truth of the Bible. I'm just going to use my language. I hope that's okay. So I would say they're moving away from the truth of the Bible. They've added some extra stuff and then they've changed some of what Jesus clearly articulated and they've made their new version of that. So I think that's where we, that's where we get in trouble. So do I believe that God is revealing himself on a regular basis to people and that they're living that out often that's written on a hundred percent. I believe that there is great uh, truths in 
modern day writings and in YouTube videos and on social media. And that's, that's awesome. We can learn so much from that. Um, do I believe that it, it, it should be added to the canon of the fundamental text of our faith? Probably not. I think that's where we get into dissension and argument, arguing about the, the small things. Um, and so I'd, I'd rather, what do they say? And, um, um, you know, in the, in the, uh, th- there's liberty and there's charity. And so I think having, having charity for people, uh, who might have a different perspective or their denomination does something a little different away, but uh, no, I, I, I believe the Bible is a closed book. I believe that revelation was the last, last book in the Bible. Um, and, um, any additional scriptures, I, I, I just don't see, um, that God is, is working in that way as of yet. I think if there was something new, I, you know, as a Bible-believing Christian, the, the next sort of event that we're expecting is um, Christ's return, right? When, when Jesus died, was raised, lived for a bit longer, and then was ascended into heaven, he said, I'm coming back. And so we're waiting for him to come back. Now there's arguments about how and when and what happens before he comes back. And he said, no one will know the day or the hour. Um, but I don't believe that another version of scripture, another gospel will be written before he comes back, uh, just based on his own words. There are two things that come to my mind when I hear that. And I used to have a very strong belief in the second coming of Christ in a very revelations yeah. and we're half the, you know, half, some are going to be in the field left alone and the other half is going to disappear and all that stuff. Scary stuff. Yeah. I, I, I'm not scared by anything. Quite frankly, Jesus said, be anxious about no things. Don't worry about yeah. anything. So I don't think anything should be scary. Uh, even if I did believe that I wouldn't see it as scary. I'd just see it as God's will. It's, but um, I do remember this Lo, I am with you always until the very end of the age. And so yeah. I am not waiting for Jesus's return because I haven't mm. seen him leave me yet. That's, yeah. So that's the first thing that comes to me is, is that I'm not waiting for the second return, the, the return of Christ to the earth. Because when I came to the earth at, from a very young age, I had a relationship with Jesus and he's never wow. left me. Yeah, he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. But he also said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And and I'm sending somebody better than me. He sent the Holy Spirit. So so that's that's Christ living in us if you you look at it that way. So, and this is where it comes down to interpretation. And so, by the way, I have a very strong connection still to the Bible today. While I don't believe it, it. I don't believe it's the inerrant word of God. I do believe much of it is inspired. Uh, I do believe much of it is valuable for instruction, and I do believe that God's Word is living and active and and stuff like that, but I don't necessarily believe that the Bible is God's Word. I believe it contains God's Word, and I don't think it's the end of God's Word. Um, God God can't be put into a book. That's just, just, just not possible in my mind, but... What I what I what I see that is yes, Christ Jesus in physical form says I'm going to go away from you from physical presence, but yeah. I but I will come to you and and that is this Christ consciousness and I think that that's what's made available to us and there is a different way of of seeing the return of Christ and they said hey when when will this when will the kingdom of god appear and he says listen nobody will be able to tell you the day or the hour i tell you the truth the kingdom of god is within you and that's yeah. that's what i make a way i make a way for you to reconnect with your inheritance as a co-heir in christ with me i pray father that they would be one as you and i are one 
And that's the second coming of Christ, which I think is available to us not at our death or some point in the future, but mm. is available to all at any time. Yeah. You know, I, that's what I love about this conversation. I think that I think that we can see things differently. Um, I think that it there is uh, here's where I see a big a big divide. And you know, you see me on social media. This usually happens on social media. I I, I work. We we run a um, a publishing company. We publish books. We have membership sites, and 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 we have uh, coaching courses and conferences. And we do it from a biblical perspective, what we consider a biblical perspective. And so, where we kind of find ourselves getting into some hot water, some tricky tricky areas, is is when you have somebody who says. 80% of the Bible I agree with or 99% of the Bible I agree with. Well, well, how did you come to a conclusion that there's this one part that you're like, I'm going to throw that part out. And, and I, and so my, the way that I decide to live, which is not for everybody, it's very bold and very countercultural is that I actually believe the entire Bible um, because there are some teachings that are really hard teachings. There are like, hell nobody wants to believe in hell you know what he says about marriage what he says about divorce like there's some what he says about money there's some really really tough teachings in there if i were to write the bible it would be different um you know and so that's that's kind of where i go in terms of jesus you know what you had just talked about he he did say he's he's um he's going to prepare a place for us and what i love about that that line or that uh, verse is he said if it were not so i would have told you and so I think if, if you say, well, I don't think that's so, I think it's going to be something else. He actually said, if it were not so, I would have told you. So that's where I'm like, you know, I, I don't know. You can have your own interpretation of it, um, but it, I'm a dad, you know? <laughs> and so I tell, I tell my kids stuff all the time. And it's like, sometimes they get stuck in like the technical. Like I, I drove uh, the kids to the summer camp this morning and uh, one of the kids, not a neighborhood kid that was taking the summer camp, he kept rolling down the window. And I said, I said, don't, don't roll the window down all the way. And he rolled down halfway and he looked at me and it was like, oh, I see what he did. And I think we do that as well is we're looking for the, the escape route or we're looking for the technical truth. We're looking for the, un, for the comfortable, but I don't know. There's something comfortable about just living in the, the peace of just, this is what the Bible says. And I'm going to live that way. I don't have to love it, but I, but I know it's for my best. Well, I also appreciate what the Bible says about the Bereans and how they were praised for testing all the scriptures. So good. So good. And what Paul said in, at, on the Areopagus at Mars Hill to the Greeks, the Greeks were not believers. They were not Christian believers, but he said, I can see that you're a very devout and faithful people. And, and there's other translations of that, but essentially he's complimenting them. Like I, Cliff, I see that in you. I see that in other friends who, you know, don't necessarily even claim the name of Christ. Like they're searching. I think that's so incredible. And I love seeing that. Um, the challenge is, eventually you'll find, and the question is, what did you find and how, how real is it? And I just, from my own perspective, there's nothing better than the real thing. There's nothing better than, I mean, just go out on a limb. I believe the Bible teaches one wife for life. There's nothing better than a one woman heterosexual marriage. I don't believe you're going to find sexual fulfillment in any other, at the level in any other kind of relationship. Why do I believe that? personal experience, but also that's what the Bible says. How many, have so you, like, how, how many people have you, how many other wives have you had? I mean, now, right? From personal, well, but then how can you say from personal experience that you can't find 
what you're looking for in life with more than one wife if you haven't gone that route to find out for yourself. Yes. And that, that my friend is the postmodern view, right? The postmodern view is you got to try it all to see if it's true. But I think the logic of that is so flawed. You know, I'm not for saying me I'm to, going to go do that. And, and I have right. no, I have no <laughs> desire to do that. Yeah. But, but the, but this, like, for example, the idea that, you know, somebody's going to go to hell, that is an yeah. interpretation of things that were said in the Bible. That people are it's gonna... a reading of what's said in the Bible. There's a difference. It's so, clear. It's it's you read the words and those are what the words say. For those that don't believe it, they are interpreting it to not say the words that it actually says, and that's where you get into that. This is where it gets really tricky. And and again, the whole. But of course, to to, to believe in that, you'd have to actually yeah. believe in the authority of the Bible, which the authority is where it all starts. It's yeah. is where it all starts. And and what gives the Bible authority, but any individual person? I disagree with you on that one. I don't I don't give something authority. The the authority is is set is set by God. God has created the authority. So just like he created gravity as the authority on our, on our earth, but I don't have to agree with gravity in order to get impacted by it. Hmm. See, I, 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 I could make a case for, for that one as well. I love it. I, yeah, that, I, I, I currently hold too strongly to my belief in gravity to float off the ground, uh, but right. but that's been conditioned into me since I was a kid and also came into the world uh, tied to the mass consciousness of humanity and, and the agreements of what is about reality. So yeah. There, yeah. There's, there's a lot to be said about why we all have a similar experience of reality in, at some level because as a mass consciousness, we have this. It's kind of like the hundredth monkey effect, if you've ever heard of that story. Uh huh. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So they switch them out, and then the hundredth one doesn't even know why they do the thing they do. Exactly. So I, I agree with you, but we're but we're not monkeys, like, and we didn't come from monkeys. You know, we we have been given, no, um, but we have consciousness, and yeah. and that's that the the art the the study of the hundredth monkey effect is about mm-hmm. the it's it's the there's there's a study that and and theories about what's called the consciousness grid that is shared yeah. among the frequency of energy throughout the ether, if you will, that is yeah. what the monkeys tap into as their consciousness, as their universal combined consciousness. And humanity as its own free it, v- brains, minds, vibrating at a different frequency because all things are energy we have a different frequency and we also have a different consciousness grid. And there's all kinds of theories about what Jesus did on the cross was actually repairing the Christ consciousness grid. It's so fun. It's so fun to think about like, you know, like I was like, just as an example, just so people who don't know me and and have hearing me for the first time, like, like I was listening to the book, the secret the other day. Like, I'm not like, I believe that, that all truth is God's truth and that God has revealed himself through nature. And I read books I disagree with all the time. And also like the idea of the law of attraction, I think it's really fun to think about. And I think that there's something to it. Um, But I just happen to believe that, you can take anything. I just truly believe this is going to be the most radical thing I'll say on this call. I believe that you can take any problem, any situation in life, and you can put it through the, you can take any situation, any problem in life, and you can put it through the lens of scripture and you can get some sort of counsel of either what to do or how to think about it. And, uh, and I think that's where, 
that's where I think that's where we get off track is when we're, we're not willing to go, wait a second. Did, did God's word, my version, did God's word, did the Bible say something about this or is there some sort of principle that we can apply here? Um, because things like law of attraction and things like we're all part of this conscious and there's energy and there's, you know, all that, like there's probably something to it. Um, but that's not necessarily the, the foundation of the belief that I have that blessed assurance that I have that Jesus actually came to earth to die for my sins because I'm pretty gross. Like God created in a perfect way. We messed up. And because God's perfect and he wants to hang out with us, like we we've got to find a way to get back. And he, what did he do? He sacrificed his only son in order for us to get there. But, but Jesus did say, I am the way, the truth and the life. Like the one, like he said, I am the way. So I think you kind of have a choice. It's like, I'm either going to believe the, the way the Bible says it, or I'm going to make my own version of the way the Bible says it. And I think as soon as you make your own version of what the Bible says, then you know what? You can just believe, you can believe anything. Um, because you can, it's like puzzle pieces. You know, um, Rob Bell, somebody I completely disagree with, he compared it to a trampoline. He said, the Bible's like a trampoline and you just change out the springs. You know, he said, what if, what if Jesus had a, a dad named Larry and Larry was his real dad? It wasn't Joseph. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was a guy named Larry. You know, Mary was sleeping around and like Rob Bell actually said this. He's like, it's just like a trampoline spring. Can you still bounce on the trampoline? Sure. But you know where he's gone? He's gone completely away from anything Bible related. And that's, I think that's what happens. As soon as we start to go, I don't really need that. I don't really need that. It's a choose your own adventure. I, I, I really think that's where we, where we lose the heart of the gospel, which, which is what the Bible's all about. Well, and, and the thing is, is that there's, in this conversation, what I, and the reason why I wanted to have you come on is to talk about this, this Bible thing. Because what I hear, yes. what I've heard you say is, yeah. you know, I, I understand your, your I, I love the fact that you have full faith and confidence in the Bible, and I know that it serves right. you well, and it served me well for most of my life. I had questions about certain things that just, yeah. you know, I, I, I dealt with them in the way that we do. And, and that's the key thing about belief. If you are fully convinced of something and you want to believe it, you'll find a way to validate your belief. And, and so, therefore... Even if it hurts you. Even yeah. if it hurts you, hundred uh, percent, you, you will find it. And and one yeah. could say the same thing about one who chooses. I want to believe in the Bible, even though there's so many unanswered questions. I I'm, I just so, so but so the thing is, yeah. is and I and I don't judge that at all. I I love the Bible, and I and I see many people who are served incredibly well by the Bible. Yeah. But there are a couple of things. There there the thing that I want to bring up is. One of the things that you had said in a conversation, in a comment we that on that post I made on Facebook, yeah, you said something about you know uh, if you try to find truth in any other way than from the God of the Bible, this. So yeah. the the thing that came up for me is I grew up for the first forty seven years of my life believing fully in the inerrancy of Scripture, uh, right. you know, and and I studied all the things to convince me. And even even though there were still questions, I, I just like ah, you sure. know what, I, I this works for me that, and it did for yeah. forty seven years. But one of the things that I've discovered, and I'd love to ask you, Brian, if you see this, I I have never seen a single God of the Bible. I see hundreds of thousands of gods of the Bible. I see the Southern Baptist God of the Bible. I see <laughs> sure. the Lutheran God of the Bible. I see the yeah. Mormon God of the Bible. 
I see the I I I see uh, and and th- there was the in the Nazarene church, there was the Emmanuel church of the Nazarene God of the Bible. Oh, yeah. And then there was oh, yeah. the central church of the Nazarene God of the Bible. <laughs> there was the Covington first church, Nazarene God of the Bible. Oh. And there was the Pentecostal God of the Bible. There is the assembly yeah. of God, God of the Bible. And there is that one Baptist church that shows up at homosexual funerals and says, God warned you, you shouldn't have done oh, it. My goodness. That, yeah. that, they got a God of the Bible. That's so, right. So what do you, have you witnessed this and how do you handle that? Oh, yeah. I think I think that um the god of this age which I believe is Satan. Okay, so here we go, right? Um is come to kill, steal and destroy. And who better to kill and steal and destroy from than God's chosen people, then people who choose to follow the way, then God's redeemed. So if, if Satan's going to do damage, um, he already knows the way it all ends. He ends up in the, in the pit and right in the lake of fire, then he's going to do as much damage as he can on the way out. It's kind of like an employee that you, you, they, they, they got fired or they had to get let go or they left. And now they got one day left and like the reason we get security to walk them out of the building is because they're going to tear the building down on their way out. And that's kind of, that's kind of the, that explains the age that we're in. It's like, think about the fall of pastors. Like I, we watched the documentary on, um, what's the, the Hillsong guy, uh, Carl Lentz or, or the, or Jerry Fall Jr. Like the, the, the Liberty University guy, like who better for Satan to take out than people who are at the, are leading. And so yes, denominationalism is a, is a terrible travesty. Um, I think about, I, you know, I just think about my kids and I give them clear instructions. And then Julie and I go on a walk around the block and we come home and they're yelling at each other. And we're like, Oh, so there you go. We got a Baptist and a Presbyterian and a Nazarene. Like, I think that's what I love about the Bible because there are stories that just explain the human condition. So denominations are not new because if you look at Moses going up Mount Sinai to get the 10 commandments, like God's like, Hey, I'm going to finally write it down. So you guys have at least 10 rules to live by because you guys are messing this up consistently. So, so Moses goes up the mountain, spends some time. And there's like 40 days, spend some time with God communing with, I mean, can you imagine Cliff communing with God? Actually, like, I can. Amazing fellowship, right? Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and finally writes it down. Moses goes to bring it down. And what are they doing? They melted all their gold and they built a cow. <laughs> like, and they're cutting themselves. Like, what? So, of course, I think we're all going to mess it up in a, lot of, in a lot of ways. But I think the evidence that people mess things up is actually the best proof of God as opposed to, oh, look at, you know, those Christians, they're, you know, they're mean or misogynistic or whatever the, the, the argument is, uh, therefore their God must not be real because the Bible explains that, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a big jerk. Like I just, I'm a big jerk without the Lord. So Brian, here, here's my question though. And, and this, cause I, I really want to know how, because if if I were to ever go back to believing in the inerrancy of Scripture, and this is my authority, and this is how I'm going to do everything, yeah, I, I think about a couple of things. Number one, Jesus prayed, "I pray that they would be one, as you and I are one." Yeah, and I also think a who's lot he, of who's he talking about there? What's that? Who's he talking about? He wasn't just talking about his disciples. He prayed that for, for not just for his the disciples, for the whole world. Yeah, the whole world would be one. That's what he wanted. Yeah. If, 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 look, though, and those who would believe in in me through them, 
Yes. Oh, so the people that believe in him, so the whole world doesn't believe in Jesus. Maybe not in the way that you are interpreting it, but okay. So, but still, um, still, the idea, even those who believe in him, let's ju- let's let's just say it's just for the church, for the right. Christians. If we yeah. were just to limit it to that, which I personally don't, but I'm fine for this conversation to limit to that. Sure. Yeah. I would think that Jesus might have said, you know what, I'm going to give you something to help you experience this oneness for which I am so involved in. And then I think about the fact that not once recorded in scripture did Jesus say, write this down. To who? Anyone. Yeah, interesting. There's not a single, I mean, he had had four years and lots of faithful followers and not once is he ever recorded to have said, write this down. And, and, and so you're saying that if, if you were Jesus, that you would have told your disciples, write some stuff down. Yeah. And, and set the record straight. I know. Isn't that interesting? But but, but actually, no, the thing is, is if I were Jesus, I wouldn't have done it. I think Jesus was perfect. And I think he knew that a Bible might cause the division that we see in the church today. Well, yeah, it's so interesting because if you look at the, if you look at the life of Christ, right? Like, there, the favorite, my, my favorite, my favorite passage in all of scripture is, um, and I, I work with a lot of youth and, you know, um, mentor young people. And the really interesting thing is uh, between the ages of 12 and 30. Okay. So the 18 foundational years of the life of Christ, 12 to 30. So you think about how our culture, that's our whole culture is about 12 to 30, right? The, all the celebrities are between 12 and 30. All the famous, you know, like like our culture is about selling or becoming somebody between the age of 12 and 30. And guess how many verses there are to describe the life of Christ between the age of 12 and 30? How many? One. Mm-hmm. One. It says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and man. And the cool thing is like our culture says, Teenage, being a teenager is what it's all about. Chase your youth, you know, all the things that it says. And yet the Bible clearly says like grow in wisdom and grow in wisdom, grow in stature, grow in favor with God, grow in favor with man. So I, 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 my own personal um, perspective, uh, stories are a lot more powerful. Jesus taught in parables so that, so that we could pass it down. It also wasn't a, a journaling culture. <laughs> you know, they didn't necessarily have full focus planners. Uh, you know, they're walking around or they're walking I, around. I, with their, I don't know about that. You know? I, I think that if you, Jesus spent some time in the temples and he pulled yeah. out some scrolls and he taught and he understood the value of written documents that people adhere at, that, that causes himself. And it ironically, so that Jesus's ministry was, consistently uh, fought against by the yeah. ones who had all of their written doctrines, you know, right. so, so whitewashed it, tombs. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and in fact, it was literally a crowd of people who are adhering to the law who finally yeah. was the one, were the ones who put him on the cross. And, oh, and, and it's like, and, yeah. and, and his, his words were father, forgive them for their ignorance. Wow. Yep. They, they know what they don't know what they're doing for i forgive yeah. them for this legalistic adherence to their yeah. rigid beliefs that put 
their own way of how they think things ought to be based upon things they believe you said. Yeah. Rather than loving one another. Forgive them for that. Right. Well, you, you added some cliffisms in there about what he said, but what he did, what I agree with you, what he did say was father give them for, they know not what they do. You know, it's so interesting. Last night we watched the play, a play about Corey Ten Boom, right? Who, who hid Jews, saved over 800 Jews in the Holocaust, Christian family. And there's this one scene in the play where uh, a Nazi is beating uh, one of the prisoners and, uh, and uh, Corey's sister uh, says uh, something like um uh, um like lord like lord uh, give uh like basically i want like encouragement to her like oh she's hurting so much i think that's what it was like i pray that she, I, I pray for her healing because she's hurting so much and Corey says um who and the sister says the the guard the nazi guard and that's the counterintuitive you know, uh, economy of, of God's economy is like, he came for the lost. He came for the broken. He came for the hurting. And, and I think that, that potentially, at least that's my per perspective on Christ's compassion for those that were killing him. First, they were fulfilling the prophecy of Christ dying, the lamb that was slain. And you look at Isaiah and the prophecy there, but number two is the compassion he had on the people who were hurting him. And I, and I, I want to live that life as well. You know, I want to live a life of compassion for those that are still are still searching. And I, I hate that Christians in this modern age are painted with a, a pretty dogmatic, you know, they hate everybody brush, you know, and, and it, it gets really tricky. So I'm just so grateful for the this conversation that we've been, been able to have uh, to shed a little bit of light. Um, and it's been really interesting so far. Yeah, I have. So, so we have 10 minutes left. I have three yeah. questions. I don't know if we can get it all in. Let Let's me ask try. you, have you ever thought about why did God show up to Pilate's wife in dreams and try to convince her to convince Pilate not to put Jesus on the cross? Oh my goodness. If it, I mean, if, he, if it was God's plan for yeah. Jesus to suffer, why would he give right. her that dream? Yeah. Well, I... It's interesting. My, my own perspective on things like that is that um, there's a reason it was written in, in scripture. It was a reason we know about it because there's a lot that we don't know, right? Like if you take yesterday, <laughs> there's, there's only so many things you remember from yesterday. And how many things did you write down from yesterday? So I think the fact that it was written down and we're aware of it, I think is a good case study or a good lesson for us. And so, um, you know, the way I read it is listen to your wife, you know, Julie, my wife, 21 years is a lot wiser than I am in a lot of areas of life. And when I go out and I do something and Julie's like, I don't think you should do that. I got to pay attention. So I think it spoke a little bit to his character of, um, that he was making a, 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 an unwise decision. I don't know why God showed up and was in a dream or whether it really was God. I do know that, um, you know, there are people that have dreams, uh, uh, that God works through dreams, right? It says uh, in Timothy, I believe, believe it is the, in the end times, young men will dream dreams. I've had dreams and I wake up and I go, that's what I need to do. And then what I've learned to do is go, thank you, Lord. That was awesome. So you're like, saying that that would- Timothy much, much is required. So, so how I think is, God shows up in dreams. How is that? How is that different? God showing up to you in a dream and giving you some yeah. inspiration about how you, something you ought to do or maybe a next path or a solution to a problem. How's that different than God speaking through the pen of Paul writing a letter to one of the churches about a problem that they're experiencing? That's a really good question. Um, you know, 
I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I have an answer for that. I think that, I think that we are all given a stewardship, right? That we, we are all uh, uh, given this moment that we have this short time on, on earth. Uh, life is but a vapor, right? The Bible talks about. And so I believe that, that my duty here while I'm here on earth is to be a good steward of the resources that I've been given. And most of those resources are relationships. So I need to show up for my people, right? I wrote a book called start with your people. Like I need to show up for my people. I need to serve the people in my life. Well, and, um, and I believe that he gives different people, different levels of talent, different, different responsibilities. And so, you know, I have friends that have started churches, friends that have run summer camps for kids, you know, and friends that are mowing lawn for a living. And that's, that's awesome. I think we each have our own um, mission and duty and calling. And so I, I believe that, uh, you know, I believe that I'm called to encourage the Christians. I'm, I'm really not here to, to convince somebody to come believe what I believe. I'm, I'm here to really challenge Christians to be bolder and share their hope-filled message. That's our whole company is about hope-filled messages. Um, but it is it is interesting to think about. I think there's inspiration. I think that Paul's writing was inspired. And I've if you've read my writing, my writing is not inspired. Um, but that's about all I have for that. I'm, I'm not really sure. All right. And then um, the other thing I want to go back to the, the, that I have enough time to squeeze in here at the end yeah, is it. you mentioned something about the fact that the Bible talks about, you know, if you add anything to this, you know, the, there's going to be yeah. false teachers, blah, 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 blah. But right. one of the, because th- this was a concern of mine when I began to study anything outside of the Bible, because I was conditioned that the Bible is the authority, and there's this scripture in the Bible yeah. that warns this, um, and and there's all the, the warnings of the danger, blah blah blah. But then I came across, yeah. and re- I was reminded of Romans eight thirty eight. I'm sure you're familiar with it. For I'm convinced that neither sure. height nor depth nor angels nor demons nor any principality or any power in yeah. all, n- not even demons could separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And so if nothing can separate me, then me reading or studying somebody else's inspired work where they believe that this is a divinely inspired uh, scripture is going to do that. Now, the interesting thing is, for me, what I came up with is that you will always be able to tell the fruit of the Spirit by the way people Mm -hmm. show up. Gentleness, respect, peace, love, joy, uh, unconditional love, those kinds of things. And what's interesting to me is I, both inside of the church, Bible-believing right. church, and outside yeah. in all mystical traditions, every uh-huh. mystical tradition, every other religion, I find people who seemingly have found that union with God and who have a profound amount of love and they have the fruit of spirit. And by the way, false teachers, it says, this is how you will know the false teachers. And it talks about the mm. attributes of false teachers. I've seen them both in Bible believing churches Ugh, and in right. all other religions. Yeah. Wolves in sheep's clothing are the most dangerous ones. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I, but the thing is, is, is I just wanted to point out the fact that, you know, this, the scripture yeah. says, watch out for the false teachers but it, right. the false teachers, how you will know them is yeah. by their fruit. And that fruit, if, if, even if the root of the fruit is from their own, like the Quran or whether it's the Torah or it's uh, the Vedic scriptures or the Bhagavad Gita or, you know, their, yeah. whatever. So, you know, what's, in- what's interesting to think about is... Um, like I love looking at biblical characters because I see myself in them so often, and so I, I, there's some. This is this is really uncomfortable for Christians to hear this, but you ready? <laughs> John the Baptist doubted 
if Jesus was really the Messiah. The guy who prepared the way had questions because he started to doubt his faith in, in jail. And, and my Catholic friends hate when I say this, but it's true. If, if you believe in the Bible, Mary herself had doubts about Christ. Mary, like the mother of Jesus. Like, oh my goodness. There's a scene where he's preaching and he's teaching and she and, and the other kids were like, we, you need to stop. You need to get out of here. And so I, I do think that people will stray away from the truth. I mean, Revelation is all about that on the macro level, how churches have lost their first love. So I, I think that is is something that happens. At one of my, you go to Paul, one of my favorite verses from Paul, he talks about, it's in one of the Corinthians, he talks about, um, do not let, um, um, you know, basically like it, the philosophy, the, the worldly philosophy, uh, 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 convince you, move you astray. Right. And, and what he talks about, uh, is empty philosophy and vain conceit. And I'm like, oh, I see myself in those verses. But what I love about Paul is he says, um, I don't know why I do the things I do and I don't know why I do the things I don't want to do. And I don't do the things I want to do. I'm doing 75 hard right now. And it's like, I do not want to drink a gallon of water today, you know, but it's like, but, but, but I think we make the decision. And I think there's so much grace cover where we mess up. And I think that's, that's what ultimately at the end of the day, it's what I love about the Christian life is that there's so much, there's so much grace, uh, but it's grace and truth. And I think if we have only truth and no grace, it's where we get denominationalism. I think if you have only grace and no truth, that's where we have universalism. And so I think that that balance of grace and truth is, is the tension that I try to live in. I don't, I don't do it perfectly at all, but I'm really grateful for, for this grace filled and truth filled conversation with you, Cliff. Awesome. And I have one last question for you with the final minute and 10 seconds. Are you ready? This only, I love it. I'm here. This is, this is only going to work for those who listen to episode 150 or whatever I mentioned at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Jesus plus. Yeah. You, you mentioned this at the end of our last conversation, and you said really the ultimate goal is to get to Jesus plus nothing. What about Jesus yeah. plus nothing means not even the Bible? Well, I think the Bible is the best account of the life and works of Christ. So the way that I know who Christ is is by studying his biography. So that's, that's kind of what I would, I would say. It's like, is there something in scripture that, 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 um, that counters what Christ said? Um, and the, the, the one last point I would give is, I think it's really important to look at the, the full counsel of scripture. So, so it's really easy to take one verse and say, well, this verse says that we all need to live this way. But if you look at the full counsel of scripture, especially understanding the historicity of it and the Old Testament, the New Testament, if you really look at it, um, I think it's, it's evidence that demands a verdict. I think Jesus's life uh, will result in three, three options. This is kind of classic Josh McDowell, right? It's going to be, he was either the Lord, he's either a liar or he's crazy. He's a lunatic. And I think you, I think all of us are called to make that decision and investigate the scripture and say, who is Jesus? Is he telling the truth? Okay. Maybe he's not a liar. Is he crazy? Okay. Maybe he's not a lunatic, but is he Lord? And that's a decision we all have to make. It's a decision I made is a decision I would challenge each of our listeners to make, but only you, only you can make that decision. Um, and this has been such a fun conversation, Cliff. Thank you, Brian. I knew I would have fun co- having yet another conversation with you. And I wanted to give people a flavor of, of what are those beliefs of a Protestant, evangelical, Bible-believing guy. And I knew that you would come and share that perspective. I'm going to put all wow. the links that you gave me in the Great. last conversation. I'll put them in the show notes today for anybody who wants to, to reach out to you. 
Thank you Austin. so much thank for you, your friend. friendship. Thank you for this conversation. I really appreciate you. What a privilege. Thank you. Blessings on you. And uh, th- grateful for the listeners that, that got this far. So y'all send me a message. I want to hear from you. Send me a message on Instagram. Say you heard our conversation with Cliff. Let's keep the conversation going. Awesome. Until next time, my friends, we encourage you to take everything you do in life to the next level.